0: It's the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America. The National Security Hour exposes the wolves in sheep's clothing and their nefarious plots to undermine and destroy U.S. national security. Welcome back to the National Security Hour on the America Out Loud talk radio network on I Radio, where you come to hear military and intel experts, where the voice of freedom and the out loud truth is spoken. America Out Loud talk radio plays on the Radio network. You can also hear us on our media player from any web browser in anywhere in the world. We have the best in-class apps available on Apple, Android, and Alexa, that's AAA, where we stream 24 seven. And now you can also hear them on the podcast on the same apps. All of our shows, Go to podcasts, typically, one or two days after the broadcast is heard on talk radio. You can hear them on all the apps, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, and iHeart products, and many more. Be sure to subscribe and rate this show, the National Security Hour, on Apple Podcasts for us. This way we have some kind of idea how our show is doing, and we know it's doing pretty well by the ratings and also by the network, AmericaOutloud.com. So make sure you make AmericaOutloud.com. Your daily stop for the latest news and happenings. We all must do our part, share the stories, the articles, the videos, so that we can help secure America's future. And uh, you know we mean that. So here we go. It's the National Security Hour with your host again today, Dr. Mike and Colonel Mike. And with liberty and justice for all, we want to open up the show and say hello to my co-pilot here. Dr. Mike, how are you
1: today? I'm well, sir. Thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. We were in the heat wave. It must be climate warming or global warming or global chilling. I don't know what it is. It's but summer. you know, we have we have a big we have a big uh, issue with the country. Aside from the government, that's you know the people that are running the country. The government—that's that's a sin. Just saying, it. the people running the country. What's happening is now you know crime is running rampant, and that's a big issue in our country. Just today, I was reading something about New York. Some more problems up there. Uh, DC, they have a memorial now running on YouTube and uh, Instagram of all the faces that have been uh, the people that have been killed, one way or the other in DC. So it's like a memorial wall, and uh, you know, brand new police chief DEI and uh, the DEI mayor, and now the people are calling for the National Guard to come in and help the families, which it's really horrible. But I want to read something from a book. It's called, You Say You Want a Revolution, and the subtitle is A Compelling and Cautionary Tale of What Lies Ahead. So I'm going to read this from the back of the book. It says, Dr. Pastor uses his experience to tackle the extremist ideologies and the progressive agenda using reason along with unique perspective, exposing the underlying intent of policies built on vacant, dangerous mantras. Those who care about this country and sense something is terribly wrong, like we all do, will find this book insightful yet chilling. In another a paragraph here, it says, In the end, security and freedom are intimately tied to a strong and viable country and a capitalistic system, both of which are directly targeted by extremist ideologies. For those who care about this country, I'm going to repeat that, for those who care about this country and want to see how the dots connect towards the pending revolution, Dr. Pastor's compelling story will enlighten and inspire, serving as a cautionary tale for us all. So, with that, I want to bring in today a guest that we have with us, James F. Pastor, who wrote this book. So, Dr. Pastor, welcome to the show.
2: Well, good to have it. Good to be on. Thanks for having me. And I'm uh, excited to talk about
0: it. Well, you know what I just said in the opening here in regards to this crime. Why don't you open it up for us and Mike and I will have a chat with you. Go ahead.
2: Well, I I wrote the book um, basically to to assert a warning that um, there are uh, undercurrents in society that are driving what i call lawless conditions that will lead to um a more extremist violence and and ultimately a essentially a climate where the government and or the uh, the stability of of society will get to a point that there there's a collision um the collision course set out ahead of us essentially Lawlessness is like a, 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 a that creates its own momentum and its own logic. We unleashed in 2020 what I believe our policies designed to take down the system, meaning either the capitalistic system more generally or the criminal justice system specifically. And by doing that, we are. We are putting people's lives in jeopardy. We are putting uh, communities at risk. We are we are effectively uh, causing businesses to close down and or lose money and or change their way of doing business so dramatically. The way we think about going to a grocery store or a drug store will forever change if these things don't change or if we don't get a handle on what I call lawlessness. And lawlessness will lead to pushback. And we're seeing it in various places around the country. There, there are essentially the, the idea of I can take anything I want. And that that is a momentum. That is a That's an attitude that I think pervades society right now. And without government standing up and taking control and stopping the, the tide towards a lawless condition, what happens is essentially nature horrors a vacuum. And if there is no control, there will be control from some other capacity. And that's where the control will be the essentially the wolves and the bad guys that will attempt to take control of cities and communities around the country now that sounds very provocative but i, I can tell you that there's a there's a logic on the street that there's always a tension between who controls an environment and heretofore it's been largely good people uh, protected by the police who protect in, communities and in environments. When the police stand down like they're doing now, and when communities are afraid and people are afraid to go out, to go to the store, to, to even store owners are even afraid to open their doors. Well, then something else controls. And that something else is what I I would consider the, the quote unquote bad guy, or the people who will take advantage of the vacuum. And this is a dangerous set of circumstances that's that was set in motion in, in 2020. And I wrote the book because I knew this was coming, because I understand the policies that they put together or their 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 uh their attempt to. Uh, uh, call of policy which i think are really simply just mantras but more than that i understand the logic of the street and i understand what will happen when control is lifted from a, an environment that will inevitably cause a a vacuum which will then to okay. very difficult circumstances that we're starting to see happening now.
0: Okay, so I wanna break in now and say, okay, this, you're Dr. Jim Pastor, obviously you're not a street guy, a mob guy or or something like that. Let's just tell the audience what your background is, why you see this.
2: Well, I've been in and around, quote unquote, uh, public safety and uh, security for 40 plus years. I have a, a a master's degree in criminal justice. I, I started out as a college kid in law enforcement uh, a major. I was a police officer for nine years in Chicago, five of those in the tactical unit, in a gang crime unit. Um, I, I am also an attorney. I've been practicing law for 33 years. About 20 of those years have been uh, um, representing police unions or security firms. I also am an expert witness on security and police procedures. A, I was a former professor. I taught cops and security people. I'm, I'm an author of four books. I I have spent my entire career in this capacity, and I can tell you, I have never seen the circumstances that we're seeing today, and I I fear that they're only going to get worse.
0: OK, Dr. Pester, since you've been around this a long time and Mike and I have been, you know, we're not spring chickens. So we've seen things in our lives. Who gets hurt the worst in this? Who gets hurt the worst in this when this stuff gets out of hand like it is now? It's the black community, no? Yes, it is.
2: And, okay. and they they are they are. Well, I'm guessing the the people that you talked about earlier with the faces in
0: D.C., are mm-hmm.
2: largely black and I haven't seen what you're, you're yes. described, but
0: that yes, would
2: be are.
0: my guess. Yes. The black community gets hurt and the good people within the black community who cannot or, or never got out of the community or like being there or could, you know, could not get out. Uh, and, they, and I'm talking about the older ones, the aunties, the uncles, the grandpas, whatever, who are probably taking care of these kids because maybe their parents are in jail or maybe dead. Uh, they lose the CVS or the Walgreens or or the Target or whatever store is in the community. And then it becomes the, the story becomes it's a food desert. No, it's not a food desert. The people packed up and left because they you can only have so much theft, like what's going on in Baltimore, what's going on in San Francisco. So in, in, in this, this these cases in regards to high crime, especially in the black community. Now, Jim, we're all about the same age. And we've seen this show go on since the sixties. The Democrats have totally annihilated the the country with their their policies. But now they want more DEI or they want some of this. Like when you see something on TV now as somebody who's a specialist like you, and you see them get up and say, Well, you know, the police are wrong, the camera, you know, he was a, he was gonna be a rocket physicist, or he was gonna be an astrologer, or he was gonna be an astronaut. And then after the guys, you know, didn't he the, the police asked them to step out of the car or whatever, and they thought they were in danger. They wind up shooting them. And the investigation winds up that the guy's got a long criminal sheet, you know, um, and then the community, the younger part of the community is screaming like what happened in Memphis, you know, uh, that, you know, now we have to change the policing to what is called uh, counseling. We need more counselors. We need less police. How does that work out?
2: Not well. Uh... It, you know, there, there's a, depending upon how you relate to, to the street, I, I would say there the people who are most willing to commit crime most understand one thing, and that is strength. And, and if they're not met with force or some level of strength, they see you as weak. And then and there's an intimidation and manipulation that goes on in the street that people don't understand unless you lived it. And I can tell you that this is something that the people in the Black community will get that. They understand it because they lived it and they're living it. And they're being intimidated by the the people who are willing to push push around and, and, and create their own. Kind of control mechanism in the community. If if there isn't good people who stand up to the bad people, then we there's nothing left because ultimately it's it's a fight for control. Now that sounds provocative, and it sounds uh, most people don't talk that way. But you know what? The reality is that's how it plays. Now, mm-hmm. the, the, down, the, the downside of that is there are situations where police use force and almost inevitably when that occurs, there's some level of noncompliance. And what we have done, we have basically told a lot of mostly black folks that the police hate you and they're about to kill you. And so thus, don't listen to them. We, we are our leaders are telling the black the, the the typical black kids who may be stopped because of doing something wrong or just in this as a as a as a means to to investigate a potential crime that essentially you don't have to listen to the police. And once that, that message is conveyed from from leadership, it it creates a a very dynamic uh uh, circumstance in a street stop now i stopped about five thousand cars in my life and i can tell you it's an art and a science it's hard number one to maintain control because that's what you have to do and if you lose control you could be dead the next second if you don't maintain control um then the one of the the most appropriate and long standing ways of maintaining control is citizen compliance. Mm-hmm. We are losing that largely because our leaders are telling the community that the police want to hurt you or somehow you shouldn't uh, listen to them. So you have these tragic events. Where all where it would be completely different, absent uh, the the compliance of a of a of an individual, and yet it can spin out of control, and it can get very dangerous, and then it becomes very controversial once something terrible happens.
0: Well now hey, Jim let's just let, let me just break in here a second so it's in Chicago it's in Baltimore it's in DC it's in LA it's in San Francisco why is this a national security issue because it spreads okay this thing will get into smaller cities bigger cities more on a national level and and then when it gets out of hand you're going to have policing like in New York where everybody wants to jump out and retire now They can't take the mayor, they can't take their police chief. We're gonna come down to the last couple of minutes, but in the second segment, I want Michael to come in on this too, Dr. Mike. Here's what I think. In the old days, we used to have different situations. And today, you know, when we say the old days, we're talking 1960s, 70s. I wanna know where are these mega stars, the Hollywood guys, the rappers, You know, now there's a guy out there, Denzel Washington, you'll hear from him time to time. He gets on there and talks about things and, you know, how he started out life. But you have to have some of these guys that they look up to, the idols, come out and say enough is enough. And that's what I think has to happen. Besides the authorities, such as the police, city governments, sheriffs, whatever deputies, you have to have these people that they look up to the rap stars, the celebrities, come out and say, enough. You're blowing the community up. You know, we don't – we're not going to survive like this. And if everybody thinks, which I think in a way, that, okay, if my son or my daughter gets taken out by a cop, I got a big paycheck. And you know these lawyers. You see them all the time on TV. As soon as there's a major shooting, like in Florida just recently, there's two or three specialists that come out besides the Al Sharpton crowd, you know, get them all riled up like it's a football game. And then say, "Well, we're going to just we're going to do this, we're going to do that," and then some city has to pay a huge sum of money into the millions uh, to these families, which I think at some point uh, these cities and these counties and these states they're going to say, "Look, we bust busted on this stuff," and and if if your kid's wild or or your your family member's wild and got taken out with proof. Uh, as long as you have these lawyers around, and you're one yourself. you know how the game works in the court. Uh, if sympathy runs high and you have you have a ter- uh, you have judges today that are really hard um, on policing. They're really hard because of of their political views, whatever. and they they maybe they believe that we need less policing. But this definitely is an, a security issue to the country. We're coming down to the last minute, you're on the national security hour. With Dr. Michael Shoyer, Colonel Mike. And today our guest is Dr. James F. Pastor, who wrote the book You Say You Want a Revolution. We're going to continue with him on the other side to the second segment right after the commercial break. Don't forget, AmericaOutLoud.com, AmericaOutLoud.com 24 7, and we'll see you on the other side.
1: For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health. Naturally.
0: Welcome back to the National Security Hour. You're on with Dr. Michael Scheuer. And Colonel Mike, we're your host today. Don't forget AmericaOutloud.com 24-7. And on the National Security Hour today, our guest is uh, Dr. James F. Pastor. Long history in law enforcement, legal issues. We're discussing the crime in America, which is just raging crazy. And uh, let's open it up. Dr. Mike, why don't you jump in on the second segment here and tell us what you think.
1: Well, Doctor Pastor, I wanted to ask you: Are, are policemen exempt from uh, the the idea that you uh, cannot uh, uh, refuse an illegal command?
0: Oh
2: no! What what has traditionally occurred if if it's perceived to be illegal? Um, um you know, it might sound uh, callous, but you, you get arrested. And then you go to court and you contest the arrest, and and then th- potentially sue the police officer in a, in a civil uh, civil proceeding, like civil rights claim. But they don't. No one has the right to say that this is a uh, an illegal order, and I am not abiding that order. Um, now, that's essentially what's happening in the the. The framework of where we're at now, which is, and essentially allows the suspect to be the judge and the, the decision maker as to whether a order is correct or not.
1: Well, I, I maybe I wasn't clear, but uh, we we pretty much saw uh, in in the um, Nuremberg trials that uh, I was only following orders was not. A defense against whatever you did. Now, is it a defense for an, someone who will want retribution against these policemen for not doing the necessary, not shooting down the the arsonists, the killers, the people who trash old men and old women in in uh, wheel wheelchairs or or on on crutches? Who is responsible at this point? is the poli- are the police not responsible for that the the result of their not acting or is it their commander or is it the mayor or the president who is it
2: well you're you're seeing okay i didn't understand you were coming at that angle yeah. yeah but you're you're seeing uh, there's a few cases um uh, that one was in uh, portland to my knowledge another one was in seattle where business owners have sued the city and the police department for failing to protect. Now, the the legal standard is no one individual has um, a standing, if you will, to for the police to have to protect them. The police duty to protect is a generalized uh, duty to to the community. Now, be if the community. Uh, is essentially ravaged because the police department has stand down and and decided as a matter of policy not to not to uh enforce the law there is some potential exposure to the departments and cities as per this uh, the, the case that i cited in portland and another one in seattle those to my knowledge there's still going through the system but they are they are creating a kind of a storyline where departments can potentially be liable if they just simply stop enforcing the law and that's something to watch because it's it's a it's a distinction between an individual who who's been harmed by a crime or a criminal versus a community that has been generalized, uh, exposed to crime because the police failed to protect them.
1: Well, that's exactly what we've seen in the past four or five years, isn't it? That the police stand down from arsons that engulf parts of cities that ruin businesses, and they just stand and watch it. Some kid with with an automatic rifle has to come and try to help his friends defend what they owned and built over so many years. It is a... You know, I've always, my dad was a policeman and I've always been very sympathetic toward the police, but I'm not, I don't have a lick of uh, uh, sympathy for stand down orders when uh, people are, or communities are being disrupted and burned down and, and uh, cars are being uh, destroyed and uh, people are being killed. It's, but I don't know how to get at that problem to think about it or to recommend what action. Common well, sense I, seems to me. I to wrote be-
2: about it. in in my book that that that's part of what's happening out there as as a means to kind of either one or one or two things. There, There are times that I feel that this is a purely intentional, almost a sinister decision making by by leadership, or they're just cowards. They're afraid to make a hard decision. And so they they kind of hide under their desk because the the people who are going to accuse them of enforcing the law are the same people who elected them and and that's that's a, a challenge if if the, if there's an honest politician out there or an honest administrator who is really struggling of what to do with uh, how should we respond from a policy perspective um that holding that possibility of the city being liable for their failure to act might wake some people up. And I think it, it's it's something that might start to, you'll, we'll see more of as time goes on.
0: Hey, Jim, Jim and Mike, let me just jump in a minute. I want to give you an example. Uh, in Greensboro, North Carolina, and I know this for a fact because i watched it, uh, it. This is what happened. The police of the police department in Greensboro, they want to fight the crime and they have a lot of drugs down there and human trafficking and so on. So what happens is your mayor is against the police, your your city council is against the police, and they have a a police union and they have a a lieutenant governor who's you know pro police, and they they're fighting an up uphill battle, you know when they go to the courts uh, they're letting them out no bail whatever and some of these guys may have misdemeanors or felonies, uh, they may have to be extradited to Virginia but the the police are constantly battling this issue with the the government that you know hates police what what happens in a case like that for the citizenry
2: yeah the citizens are they're left vulnerable and ultimately they're either going to protect themselves or they're going to be victims of crime or they're going to hold themselves into their homes like like hostages and and uh, try to avoid be becoming a crime victim you know there there aren't a lot of options and uh, the number one uh, duty of government is to protect provide protection to the uh, the country as a whole or uh, when you're dealing with smaller um, um, municipalities the 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 jurisdiction that that municipality entails so if the police, or the city, maybe the the if the those decision makers in the city fail their duty to protect, therein lies where you know you open up that vacuum that I talked about earlier. How that vacuum is filled is going to be a very in- interesting thing to watch. People will take up arms if they have to. You know, self-defense is a huge motivator in in our DNA, and it's never going to go away. On the other side of that, um, if if the police stand down and people don't have the means to protect themselves, well, what are their options? Effectively, they they become a crime victim, whether they like it or not. And it's 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 almost a uh, you know, it's a it's a box that we're putting ourselves into that is extraordinarily uh, sad because it doesn't have to come to this. We are allowing it to occur, either through cowardness or an uh, ideological um, uh, an attempt to create something else other than a society that is abounded by I law and order.
0: You hit, it. you hit it on the head. It's something else. And I'll tell you why. Would we allow 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old children to be behind the wheel of a car, especially a race car, let's say a, a very modified race car, and you know has no driving experience? It's just like, I think this is all about how do they get the guns, and if enough people die, which doesn't matter to this government, whether it's state or federal, If enough people die, because we had 63 million abortions, so a couple of more deaths aren't going to bother anybody, okay? If we get enough people to die, we can convince a majority of the people, 30, 40, 50, 60 percent, that we the guns are the problem. And you know, and I know, and Mike knows, they're not the problem, okay? But this is what I think they're looking at. Like you say, they're creating something else. And if enough people die. And enough people are on TV every day pounding. It's all about the guns. And you know, Jim, guns don't jump out of the closet and kill people. Somebody has to take them, put them in a hand and use them, right? But uh, I think that's where we are as a society. Dr. Mike, your opinion?
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. That's why they want to get rid of guns so they can let let their wild people that they've trained and and instigated and paid to to go keep going after the elderly, the businesses, uh, uh, you know, We have a prime example here. This should be a make and break case in Maui. It's very clear that the police would refuse to stand down the order to keep those people locked in where they got killed. And now we have increasing evidence on uh, uh, becoming available that either some private contractors of the U.S. government or the military itself used um, uh, directed energy weapons to burn down those people in in Maui. And it's... um, It it, it's it the break that's the break point this is the break point for me at least if there is no purging of the police department and the government of and the government of uh, Hawaii and the local authorities on Maui um, then I don't know where we go from here except to take advantage of the Second Amendment and anybody who tries to stop you from escaping a bad incident you, you just gun them down if you can. I don't know what else what else people can do. They can't have a business because the police won't protect them and they they stand and watch somebody loot an entire store.
0: Well, Dr. Pesta made a good point, Mike. Dr. Pesta made a good point, which is the government is only there to serve the people. And it goes back to our government's supposed to be closing the border. Our government's supposed to be protecting us and giving us the liberty that we deserve. And. The state is the same way. They're, they're not there just to be goons. They're the the state of whatever state it is is there to protect the people. And when you can't protect the people, then you have the Kyle incident that happened in Wisconsin, where the kid gets a gun and goes and goes and tries to help his friend save a business. Jim, what do you think of that?
2: Well, I wrote about it in the book, and it, it t- and the 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 reaction from the mainstream media was telling. Because what they said, even though they didn't say it directly, they were were freaking out that somebody took the law and and attempted to create order in a a chaotic environment. And they did it by themselves without having the government uh, take control. Because if the government stood down and... The good folks in the community stood up. That's their worst nightmare, meaning the, the the people who wanted to create the chaos. So, you know, here there's there's a larger point here. What we are talking about is something called ordered liberty, gotcha. that, that we have order in society, that we all abide certain restrictions because it's good for everyone. It's it we it enables us to, to go to and fro in our lives and to live a normal life that that we all were used to, you know, for for decades and generations. But we 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 acknowledge that there are some restrictions on that. Now, when you break down ordered liberty and you create situations where the few dictate. Uh, what what the environment look like looks like then you create a situation where the good people out there just trying to live their lives are having to deal with the the those who are quote unquote have the right to be on the public way to knock them over the head to defecate in public to uh the uh, do open drug use Uh, uh, to to run in and out of stores and and loot. That's what we're doing. We are saying we're giving away our right for an ordered liberty, and we are kind of shifting that to individuals and giving them the right to essentially do what they want. And the end of that game is inevitably you have to shut down society. That where the COVID situation was a bit of a precursor around that. If you if you create so much disorder, well then people will accept the fact that you need to have essentially a a lockdown. And that if that's the if that is the game plan, they're well on their way of doing that. And and that's the, the a very dangerous uh, a domino that's in place. So, it, in the end, if we don't maintain what we would understand as ordered liberty,
0: we will get less liberty because order will be imposed. Okay, and, we're coming down to the last two minutes. Go ahead, wind it up for us.
2: Well, it's it, it to to way I see it. You need to understand who needs to be controlled. It's not the masses, it's the bad guys. And if less we understand that the bad guys need to have a force mechanism placed and preventing them from doing as they please, that's that kind of vacuum. I talked about earlier, If if we don't control those who need control, then we end up controlling everyone. And that's. The scary proposition.
0: And we could wind up like Australia, New Zealand, and years ago, Pol Pot in Cambodia. That's why they want the guns. That's why they want new gun laws. We're coming down to the last minute on the second segment. It's been wonderful. We have Dr. Jim Pastor on with us. His book, You Say You Want a Revolution. We're discussing crime. This is the National Security Hour with Dr. Michael Shoyer and Colonel Mike. We're gonna continue in the last segment discussing this. It's a very good conversation, and it is a national security issue. So we're going to look. What we should do is give some advice to the citizenry and the listeners to the show on AmericaOutloud.com on what needs to be done and what they need to do in order to speak to their representatives on a local, state, and federal level. Um, I guess we could say at this point we're not going to take it anymore. That was that was the who. Remember that record? We're not going to take it anymore. Well, you say you want a revolution and we don't want to take it anymore. So we're coming up on a commercial. We're going to go to the last segment. It's been great so far. Dr. Pastor, we appreciate you coming on, discussing this with us. There's so much to talk about. See you on the other side.
2: Well, the out loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. America out loud news was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25.
0: All right, we're back for the last segment. You're on the America Out Loud talk radio network with the National Security Hour today. Your hosts are Dr. Michael Scheuer and me, Colonel Mike. Today our guest is, we're so lucky to have him on, Dr. James F. Pastor. Who wrote the book you say you want a revolution a compelling and cautionary tale of what lies ahead dr pastor when you say chaos and disorder what w- what would you suggest to the to the audience to to discuss with their local leaders let's say local state county whatever district um and going up to the federal level because you know they're the american oligarchs so by time you get there you got to be really brave but let's just say on the local order your town your county whatever what do you suggest the, the citizenry should do
2: well there there isn't a lot of options obviously politically they can you know ring the phones and and be active in their local community and and basically let their feelings be known um now the, however that plays i mean there's some
1: uh,
2: recall options that that we saw in california where the uh the, the district attorney was 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 um recalled those are possible options but those are, are are big efforts they're big lifts it takes a lot of effort and and cooperation other people are doing other things to protect themselves. Communities are hiring private security uh, patrols. They're they're creating a certain amount of eyes and ears and a level of protection by hiring their own uh, protection. Um, it, it's something that I saw coming years ago. I thought that would come from a, a terroristic environment where where um, people were were going to essentially protect themselves from terrorist acts but but ironically i i think we're seeing more of that now occurring through just simply by government policies and Mm -hmm. and if if ultimately if the government is not going to do its job to protect well citizens can go out and hire their own protection and then there's the other element of their own uh weaponry and and um you know, protecting their home with with cameras and sensors and things like that. Now, those are a lot of people have done those things anyway. Um, But, you know, individually, all these are are, are potentially complicated in the sense that they cost money or time and effort. Um, And it's it's unfortunate because. You know, those are the kinds of things we never had to do before. Exactly, government was doing its job. Mm-hmm. So
0: there isn't a good answer to that. I mean, there are options politically. Well, let me give you, let me give options. you some of my options. Let me give you some of my options. You know, once a year they do this National Police Night Out. You're familiar with that, correct? Yeah. Where they go, yes. they go into a big park and like like Lowe's or Home Depot. Um, In the smaller towns, smaller cities sometimes, in bigger cities they have them. But, I mean, in general, they get out there and they have the canine dog and the SWAT team and the kids get the balloons and the keychains or whatever they give slushies. You know, it's like a little mini circus thing. But they let the police and the sheriffs mingle with the children and the parents to, to say, this is not the bad guy, right? They could pet the dog and the dog, they show what the, the canine does. He could sniff something or rag or whatever. And, you know, they give it a good a good option for the children to grow up with knowing that police and sheriffs are not dangerous. Right. That's one night a year. It's it's one night out. But they could do a little bit more of that. Like just this past a weekend, we had Labor Day weekend. <clears throat> you had the state fairs before the weekend. You had Labor Day weekend where everybody goes out and does the parade, you know, uh, the, the old the old antique classic car parades and you have the police there protecting the crowds. You can mingle. I think there are little things, small things you could start out with. Uh, and now, you know, school's back in so you can have some uh, auditorium time at the schools and ask for a police officer or a captain or a sheriff or a deputy to come to the schools and explain to the kids, hey, this is a new year, You know, we want to just give you because now we have fentanyl and all these other drugs out there, so we want to keep you safe, and we're your buddy kind of thing. You know, for the younger kids, and and the younger kids can get a grasp of it. But also, that's to me that that's a gateway, Jim. That's a gateway for the parents to see that you know whether it's a black or white community, Hispanic, to see the police in action looking to take time to inform and educate the parent. That's just my opinion. Now. Where we live, you know, we're outside the Beltway area, we're in the Valley, uh, we, we have small town kind of living. Uh, we're very active with the sheriffs and we're very active with the deputies. Some of these places have police departments too, but we were very active in having training how to use, how to clean, you know, with with guns uh, because you have to understand something. You may have 100,000, you may have 50,000, you may have less, and uh, if you only have two or three guys in the department, whatever it is, sheriff or police, it's kind of a rough deal if he's out there, you know, by himself or they were on two or three locations. So we we try. And I think the people can do this, depending on the municipality and the size, to be active with with going into the police and going into the sheriff's departments and saying, look, we need to work together. You know, we're, we're the community, you represent us. And a lot of these guys are sworn, right? They're sworn they take an oath to the state or they take an oath to the federal government constitution, you know. Uh, and I think that's one way we could lead it. And with that, you get information. I'm sure you know that you get information from the community. Hey, you know, there's a bad guy over here and he's been monitoring here and he's looking at that store there or whatever. You know, what's your take on that?
2: What you're describing is essentially community policing that was, you know, in vogue during the 80s or, or 90s mainly, and, and and has largely been abandoned by most uh, urban police departments. Um, you know, certainly all that is good. The, the interaction with the community and the police and humanizing uh, everyone involved is the right answer but what's what i think has changed it's the policies of the departments that are driving the crime that are that, are, that we're seeing around the country so it's, it's community policing is now largely dormant or dead in most communities partly because there's not enough police officers and we have effectively uh, changed the nature of policing to end what was called broken windows or quality of life policing. We've disbanded uh, anti-crime units. We've we've changed traffic enforcement and and we we did things like limit foot pursuits and vehicle pursuits. Those are the things that more drive uh, the crime. Then uh, the you know the the engagement the the, the connection between uh, police and community you know the humanizing elements those are good don't get me wrong I, I I'm an advocate for that because ultimately the police are, are often live in the communities that they serve so they yes. should engage but the problem is the policies and it's the policies that are driving the crime rates. And what's and the suggestion begin, what's the suggestion for
0: policies then? What should the people do?
2: Go back to what we know works. Broken windows, quality of life policing, uh, proactive anti-crime units. Where where we take back control of the streets and we we identify the bad guys, and we lock them up. They used to say there's about 7% of the people in the penitentiary system, are, or 7% of the people who commit crime are the predators. You take out those 7% and you put them in jail, and then the, the people who are less bold and less uh, aggressive will see that, and they'll abide. It, it, there's there's a momentum in 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 life. there's a momentum in human interaction that that enables essentially you take out the bad guy and everyone around him sees that and says, oh, okay, not I'm not going there. It sends mm-hmm. a message. We have lost that message. We have forgotten about how effective broken windows was. And you know why we've forgotten? Because they're afraid or they are, and, uh, well, uh, whatever the reason is, they have decided that much of those interactions are, are, are more statistically connected to black people on the street corner. And they're afraid that some of those incidences will, will turn into uh, tragedies so what they do is they shut down the the uh the enforcement of these quality of life crimes because they're afraid they're going to turn into a tragedy the tragedy though really is that they're allowing those things to occur and they're affecting everyone's life and they're breaking down ordered Liberty so it's it's a domino effect and 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 until we understand that we need to deal with those people who are disruptive on the streets and enable them the good people to to travel to and fro it's only then will we take back control of the streets now unfortunately i don't know if we can get go back there because we're so we're so afraid of of these incidents uh, spinning out of control, and more, uh, you know, dead people for for cigarettes, like the guy in New York City.
0: Yeah, New York City. Yeah.
1: Well, you so, know, I I tend to think that that what Colonel Mike described is the is the childhood experience that I uh, had. With policemen coming to the school at the beginning of the year and before summer vacation to say, you know, don't go crazy, don't do this, don't do that. If you need help, come to us. All fine. And it worked. But it worked primarily, I think, because throughout the school year, the teachers repeated that. If a cop goes now, he's going to be there for an hour, he'll do his best. And as soon as he goes, the teachers are going to be teaching the opposite. He's a he's a a white supremacist or he's a a a gunner a a kind of a kook and it's hard to do that in 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 terms of what we what we know it the the, clearly the federal government under the democrats wants to establish black supremacy across the country wipe out white people as much as they can and kill christianity now how is they doing that they are doing it by deliberately breaking order in this country We've, there is no political, there is, I'm sorry, there is no government agency that is obeying the law or enforcing the law at the moment, except made up laws that they, they try to get Trump with. There's nobody's protecting the border. They're helping the, the uh, illegals come in. Uh, the CDC and the FDA are, are voluntarily eagerly helping to inoculate people with a poison, uh, shot. Um, the, the military is dancing around in red slippers and and other kind of um, depraved sexuality uh, outfits and and beliefs. They're, and the police, and I, and, I, and I regret it deeply, but the police just watched 2,000 people in Maui get killed, and they still can't find okay. all the bodies.
0: Okay, Mike, I want to break in on that school thing for a second while my thought is there. Okay? You haven't been to a school lately. I know that. And I don't know if Jim has, but if you've been to a school lately, you know what the police are when they go to schools now. They're basically breaking up fights with children who are beating on teachers. Yeah, that's where we are in society today, Mike. Well, it's not like well, when you and I went. It's not like when you and I went and Jim went to school. Basically, no. the kids are there. These kids probably have one parent. Whether it's a white family, it's both now. It's not just black families, white and Hispanic. But the point is that where they're responding to issues and they don't have the manpower, they don't have like a, the school guard, like a police officer, they don't have enough budget to have one police officer stationed there because children have all kinds of diseases now, such as, uh, or whatever, uh, mental issues, okay? Uh, whether it was because of the lockdown, whether it's autism, whatever. These kids now, they're biting teachers, they're beating on teachers. So if, if the police comes in and speaks at the beginning of the year, who knows what he's gonna get hit with. But the point is that we have to put society back together. And I think it, it's gonna to have to go ground up. You can't deal with the feds. You gotta go ground up. You gotta, where you live is where you gotta start in your community, small, medium, large. Yes. Okay? Yes. And Remember you have to- you,
2: All politics yeah. is local.
0: Right. And you cannot you cannot talk about the top down. We know what they're doing. They got the board open. We know what their agenda is. OK, but you have to convince your next door neighbor and the neighbor down the street and the neighbor in your town that this is what they're doing. And then find out how many morons you have living around. You. That's all. It's easy I like that. Know, okay?
1: I don't think there's time enough to do that. If we were going to start doing that in 78 or 82 or 91. No, no, no. 82.
0: It's going to have to keep it's going to have to go every day, Mike, now. Because otherwise it's just a total lockdown. They're gonna want the martial law. That's what they're gonna want in the end. They're gonna want total control. Okay, and then we're gonna have chaos because this is why they want the guns. The whole purpose. They want they don't care. Jim, every other day, we got three minutes. I'm sorry, we're coming to the end. This is a great conversation. Jim, every time there's an issue nationally, another shooter comes out. If the laptop is on the news, a shooter comes out. If something else is on the news, a shooter comes out, right? The psycho from Florida, out of nowhere. Now, they had something on the guy, but nobody, their father, whatever. And he comes out and he blasts people. But you notice it's a white guy blasting the blacks. You'll never see on the news the blacks blasting the whites. You'll never see that. Very small if it gets out. So the media is against us, the state's against us, the federal government's against us as a people. So we have to rise up. We have to educate Locally, starting in the, in the community, when you go get some milk or, or fuel or whatever, hey, Jim, how you talking about? What we, hey, what's going on? Hey, we got a bad guy. Really? Did you talk to sheriff so-and-so? Did you talk to officer so-and-so? Th- we can do it locally and get the strength. Because, Mike, I don't think people have the balls, to be honest with you, okay? People don't have the balls to, to call up and, and email their representative. These guys are lifetime grifters. They only come back when they want to get reelected. Right. And all they're concerned about is how much money they could send to the Ukraine. We got two minutes. Whoever wants to take it, take it. One minute coming down. Go ahead.
2: Go ahead. uh, Take it. Well, let let me just kind of give my uh, uh, assessment. I I agree that we are in a very uh, delicate and volatile time. I see as many uh, um, the the solutions as being um filled with problems and the problems filled with solutions. We we need to I go back to and this is how I ended my book. 30 seconds, Jim. Go ahead. God, country, and family. If those things don't matter to you. And if we are not living for a larger purpose and if we're not willing to to, to uh, sacrifice for freedom and truth and and live that way as a collective or at least as an individual, then then you're lost. And
0: we got to cut you. We got to cut you. We want to thank you for coming on the show. We want to thank our guest, James Pastor for coming on the National Security Hour. Remember, the National Security Hour is the tip of the spear in the epic battle to defend the United States of America.